0: Make sure to jump in on the action while you still can, guys. I know the college ball season is fading quickly, but we are getting into the postseason. You guys have seen all these teams all year long. Now is the time for you to cash in on all of that knowledge at MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit for all new users. Don't wait any longer. Now is the time. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. Unfortunately, Curtis is not going to be able to make it today. He is on his way back from Florida as we speak right now, making the long trek back on a Sunday, and he's not going to be getting back until later tonight. Just another quirk of the Thanksgiving schedule. We talked about waiting until maybe tomorrow to record the episode, which is not usually what we do. We usually do it tonight on Sundays to have it for you guys Sunday night so you can get to it on your drive to work or whenever on Monday. But at the end of the day, we just decided that we didn't want to make you guys wait. But it's all good because i have you guys covered today i don't know if you can tell my voice Um, still not feeling great i am in day seven of whatever illness cold i have hopefully at some point i will actually feel normal again at this point i'm starting to wonder if i ever actually will so i apologize if the voice isn't exactly um a plus caliber stuff today i don't know if it ever is a plus caliber stuff but i apologize if it's not up to its normal standard but I never feel too bad to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, so I'm gonna give you guys my best shot here today, but let's go ahead and let's dive into this, man. All right, so 31-23. Yep, we get out of Atlanta with a win, but it was certainly way too close for comfort and nowhere near the standard that, let's be real, we've all become accustomed to in Athens, so before we get on into all the details of how it went down, and you guys know, we will dive into the nitty gritty, we'll get into all the details, the X's and O's, all that stuff. But I wanted to open with kind of a big picture initial reaction to what we saw last night. And let me start by saying, like a lot of you, in the midst of watching that game last night in that stadium in Atlanta, I was very frustrated And I had some serious questions about what in the hell we're going to do next week against Alabama. In the moment, absolutely, I had a lot of those thoughts. Because it's Georgia Tech, right? Georgia Tech should not be doing those things to us. This is a team that we'd beaten 134-21 to combined over the last three games against them. We should be destroying them, right? I'm a fan just like you guys. I'm no different. I eat, breathe, sleep, bleed this stuff. And my blood pressure was about 7,000 at times last night. But I had a chance today to sit down, go back and rewatch it. I'm not full on through second my second rewatch, I'm one and a half rewatches through at this point. And in doing so, and having time to reflect on it for the last, I don't know, almost 24 hours, I guess, I have talked myself off the ledge. Now old Tyler, even like 3 or 4 years ago Tyler, maybe like 2 years ago Tyler, would still be probably apoplectic at this point. But with my advanced age comes wisdom. At least that's what we're going to call it. I don't know if it's wisdom maybe it's more perspective than wisdom but something comes with this age I've been there I've seen it a million times at this point time and time again year after year and here's where I am right now with this all right to me as I sit here right now it's 704 on Sunday night here in the beautiful classic city it's crazy how in the span of one week heck not even one week like three hours last night it's crazy how, in that short time span, a collective fan base can go from saying, we are the best team in the country, no one can stop us, to thinking that now we have no chance to beat a Bama team, I had to pull off a miraculous finish against a bad Auburn team, and now we're all trying to do the calculus of how do we get the playoffs after we lose to Bama? Like, it's a foregone conclusion that we're losing next week. And I include myself in this. I'm not absolving myself of this whatsoever. That was me last night. But now I'm looking back with a little more perspective and saying, okay, is that really, really what's going on here? Is that really the the rational way to look at this? I know when you're talking about fandom, rationality doesn't really always or rarely enters the picture. But when I look at this game, it reminds me a lot of the Vanderbilt game right before the bye week. Let's go back to that game, guys, right? Think about this, right? Hear me out here, hear me out. Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech, two teams, that the vast majority of fans within our fan base and around the country as well, two teams that people generally perceive as bottom dwellers. And those are also two teams that from the perspective of Georgia fans, we have owned, we have destroyed the last three to four years. Again, I mentioned it earlier. Over the last three games that we played against Tech, we have outscored them 134 to 21. Remember what we were telling you guys coming to that Vanderbilt game? We had outscored Vanderbilt 117 to zero the last two games we had played them in 2021 and 2022. In fact, they had not even scored on us since 2019. And what happened against Vanderbilt? Well, the game was a lot closer than people thought it would be, and there were a lot of people freaking out, saying, "What is wrong with this team? We are not the best team in the country." I remember, I remember my mailbox, like our my inbox, my DMs after that game. People were freaking out, and I was certainly frustrated myself sitting there watching that game in nashville i had a lot of the same thoughts that i had last night watching that game against georgia tech in the moment but just like last night when i watched the variable game on replay and i had some time to sit back and think about it on the way home I realized, okay, maybe it wasn't as bad as it seemed in the moment. Because in that variable game, a couple of turnovers really skewed the final score and therefore skewed the overall perception of how we performed that game and the perception of what this team was capable of, what our ceiling was. And the same thing happened last night against Georgia Tech. There were a few uncharacteristic turnovers and there were some sloppy play. Don't get me wrong, there was sloppy play. We did not play to our standard. That is very real. But think about both those games, Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech. Because of a few turnovers and some sloppy play, the game ends up being closer than people expected it to be. And so that means the sky is falling. This team isn't good enough to win it all. Think about that game last night, guys. We were two uncharacteristic turnovers from that game being at least 38 16, right? So we turn the ball over in the first quarter to Asian Edwards, fumbles. They they capitalize on that turnover. They score a touchdown. That's seven points right there, right? So take that off the board for them. So 23 minus seven, they got 16, right? We throw a very uncharacteristic interception in the end zone that would have made it 38. So it easily, easily could have been a 38 16 game. And how are you feeling? Ask yourself, guys, how are you feeling? How different would you be feeling right now if the score was 38-16 as opposed to what it was, 31-23? I'm not saying you would still feel like incredible about it because we did give up 200 yards rushing as we will get to, I promise. We will get to that. We'll dive into that very much in detail. So I'm not saying you would feel incredible after the game, but if the score was 38-16 instead of 31-23, would you be feeling as badly as you do right now? about how we performed in that game, would your perception be the exact same? So my question is, are we really altering our perception of our team that dramatically because of two uncharacteristic turnovers and one honestly that never should have happened because the touchdown prior to that, the touchdown pass to Dylan Bell in the back shoulder throw, that got called back on what I I will maintain is a bogus ineligible man down field call. I know when the ball was caught he was, uh, SVP was six yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That doesn't matter. That is irrelevant. It's where is he when the ball is released from the quarterback's hand? And I have gone back and I have rewound that, fast forward about 20 different times. And I have stopped it there when the ball is released from Carson's hand and he is no more. He's like two and a half, maybe three yards down the field, which is perfectly legal. Watch the referee on that play. He just looks around. And he sees that when the ball is called, the center's like six yards down, down the field. And so he says, oh, I guess I, must throw the, I, I better throw the flag. That's irrelevant where he is when the ball is called. It's where is he when the ball is thrown. So bogus call, shouldn't have been called. I still don't understand why there's an ACC crew calling that game. Whatever, weird. They were very flag happy. But back to my point. Are we really altering the perception of our team and its ceiling that much because of a couple of weird turnovers that we normally don't commit? We're completely forgetting about the 52-17 spanking of a top 10 Ole Miss team. We're completely forgetting about the 38-10 beatdown that we delivered Tennessee and Knoxville just a week ago. But no, just because the game against Tech was closer than than we thought it would be, now we have no chance to beat Bama. We have no chance to win a national championship. We're just not that team anymore. And look, guys, I care too. I know you care. And, and that's that's the beauty of college football, college athletics. We care so much. We're so deeply invested. It means so much to us. So every little thing that goes wrong, we feel it so intensely, and we often overreact to it. And again, I include myself in that because that was me last night. I was there. I was right there with you. I'm just not there right now. And look, guys, I know that I got the preview episode for this game out late last week, is another quirk in the Thanksgiving schedule. Since the game started on, on Thursday, Charlie and I wanted to record that the picks episode early, so we had that on Wednesday night for you guys. I had the, the preview episode on Friday, which is not normally when we had that, so it was a little bit later. Some of you might not have caught that. That's okay. But I do think that part of the perception of this game and how it went stems from the reality that there's a large segment of the Georgia fan base. I don't, I don't know who I'm talking about out there, but I know there are a lot of Georgia fans that probably had not watched a single snap of a Georgia Tech game this year, and if you caught the preview episode, again, I know it was out late, apologize for that, just the Thanksgiving week schedule is weird like that, but I try to tell you guys, okay, Tech's not great, I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke at you and tell you this is a great football team, but they're a sneaky, pretty okay football team, especially when they don't turn the football over, when they don't turn the football over, they're pretty solid, and you know what, last night, They didn't turn the football over. They kept themselves in the game, at least for the most part. And guys, this is a top 20 rushing offense. Again, we'll get to the rush defense issues. I don't want to completely absolve our team of of blank because we got to play the run better. But this team runs ball for like 220 yards a game. It's a top 20 rushing offense nationally. They are a very well-coached, well-schemed rushing attack. And they do that to pretty much everybody they play. And I would also argue that was a pretty decent tech team. That was hungrier than we were i'm not saying that we didn't play hard i don't want to go that far our guys played hard Might to do that to our guys but was there the sense of urgency that we had against missouri a couple weeks back sense of urgency that we had against Ole miss even up in knoxville last weekend i don't think that you can say that there was for tech there was guys i told you coming into the game we were like we always get everyone's best shot but it was going to be a little extra something from tech because this is their super bowl like this is this game means everything to them Every year, I try to explain this to the young people in the fan base who don't really remember weren't really alive or cognizant of what's happening in the football world when Tech was actually beating us. But Tech wants to beat us, guys. They hate us, and they were hungry to win this game. We had destroyed them the past couple times we played them. We've owned the series for the better part of two decades, so they were hungry for this game. And we are coming off a brutal end to the SEC schedule. We go. Florida in a big rivalry game, Missouri, Ole Miss at home two top 10 teams, and then you wrap it up with a trip to Knoxville, and we got through that gauntlet, and you want to go, whew, okay, deep breath. Well, when you take that deep breath, Georgia Tech is ready to fire, man. They're coming for you. So ultimately, I would just caution people to not read too much into one game like this coming off, as I said, of a gauntlet run to end the SEC slate with an SEC championship, a do or die to get in the college playoff more or less game against Alabama looming ahead of you one week from now. Just like I caution people to not read too much into that variable game and the performance going into the bye week. And remember what happened after that variable game, that performance that everyone all concerned about what this team was capable of, what did we do after that come off the bye week? We reeled off four of our five best performances of the season and bulldozed our way through the toughest gauntlet of our schedule, the toughest stretch by far of our 2023 schedule. So as far as I'm concerned, we are still that team that everyone thought we were, After we destroyed Ole Miss two weeks ago at home, we're still the same team that everyone thought we were. After we beat down Tennessee in Knoxville last weekend, I know it was not pretty against Georgia Tech, and I know that was not a vintage Georgia performance. I will not argue otherwise; it clearly was not. But we are still that team that everyone thought we were before kickoff yesterday, and I fully expect. Just like we saw a different Georgia team after that variable performance coming off the bye week, I fully expect you to see a very different Georgia team next week in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But all right, guys, that's just kind of where I am right now. That's my big picture takeaway from the game. And we're going to dive into all the X's and O's, all that detail, all that good stuff here in just a moment. But real quick, I want to remind you one more time about our great friends at MyBookie. I hope everyone was able to take advantage of all the great promo deals they had during Thanksgiving week. But even if you weren't, you can still jump in on all the college ball action. College basketball is heating up right now. The NFL is still going hard. Ball season is just around the corner. So there's still so much to bet on and so much to win some cash on for the holiday season. So go ahead and sign up today at mybookie.ag for all new users. Use our promo code UGA and you'll get a 50 percent bonus on top of your first deposit tough to beat that guys from a free mind to play with and when you sign up, guys, My bookie has so many awesome features for you guys to use to help you put some money in that wallet. they got a cash out early option. So if you're partial to some parlays like I am, that can be really, really helpful for you. They have a ton of live betting options, cash pools, odds boosts, so many ways for you guys to cash in all the action at MyBookie. So do yourself a favor and sign up today at MyBookie.ag so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. All right, guys, let's keep this thing rolling. So I am not freaking out right now. Here I am, 24 hours removed from the game yesterday, the way that I was in the moment last night. But saying that, there were still some, undeniably some areas where we did not play well against Tech. You cannot gloss over that. You cannot cover up your eyes. Pretend it didn't happen. It did happen. It wasn't all bad, and we're going to get to the positive. Some of the good things that came out of that game, some of the encouraging things that I saw. But let's start with the stuff that we need to clean up because I know that's what's freshest on everyone's mind. I know that's what everyone wants to hear me talk about because it was very frustrating throughout most of that game last night. And clearly, the most frustrating part of that game was the performance by our our defense against the run. There's no hiding from that. There's no running. There's no hiding from that. It was what it was. It wasn't good enough. 205 yards rushing, guys. That's the second time this season. And only the second time last five years. That we have given up over 200 yards on the ground and we've said all year like this is not necessarily a new thing that we are not as good against the run as we have been the past couple of years that has been the case all year long there have been plenty of examples of that but we are still one of the better rush defenses in the country and we should still not be allowing anyone much less Georgia Tech run for 200 plus yards on us now saying that though tech is as I said earlier this is a good rushing offense that's what they do a top 20 rushing offense and it's really really well schemed but we have got to find a way to be more effective stopping offenses of of that variety I think there's two questions that we have to answer here number one what was the issue what went wrong and number two how concerned should we be moving forward into next week and potentially beyond so let's start with the first question. What was the issue? A couple things here. Number one, let's talk about how tech attacks you in the run game. They are very triple option-esque. It's not a full-on classic triple option. Obviously, this is not Paul Johnson. That's not what they're running. But there are triple option veer principles incorporated into that run scheme liberally and I mentioned this I know not everyone got a chance to listen to the preview episode I did mention this like they have triple option principles and that makes it tough especially when you have a quarterback like Haynes King who is a really dangerous threat with his legs The guy had over 600 yards rushing coming into this game and I know this is not the first time that we have faced mobile quarterbacks and we have had t- issues at times throughout the year stopping those obviously Auburn being the most glaring example I thought we did a really good job against Jackson Dart of slowing down um, his his element in the run game for Ole Miss and he's a big part of of what they do on the ground, and we really took him away. I thought we did a fairly good job of containing Brady Cook. I uh, had a couple scrambles for the most part. We did a good job there. Early, earlier in the year, we did have some issues containing quarterback runs against uh, those little cupcakes that we were playing early in the year. But anyway, back to the point. It's not a, a new thing, but this guy Haynes King is the best running threat that we have faced this year. He is the most prolific runner from the quarterback position that we have faced all year. And when you have a running threat from the quarterback position like that, And you structure your offense in a way that you really feature some of these triple option principles where you are putting defenders in conflict. That's what they do, guys. That's what their offense is really structured to do is put a defense, specific defenders, on any given play in conflict. And what do I mean by that? Like when you option off a defender, what you're doing is you're putting them in conflict. The defender has to make a choice. They have to choose either option A or option B. You put them in conflict. And whatever option they choose... The offense has an answer built in, and that's how Tech's offense is structured. Now, they did run a few just classic outside zone plays or a couple inside zone plays here and there, and they had more success in the outside zone than I would have liked for them to have, but where they really hurt us the most, if you want to say they gashed us, quote unquote, those plays came primarily on the triple option-esque plays that they run, whether it was basic zone read, whether it was the bash play, split zone bluff. And what I mean by that is something we run, guys. So you know, split zone is where you have an H-back, tight end, whatever, and they're coming across the line of scrimmage. Flow The offensive line is flowing one way. They're blocking down one way. And then you have the H-back flowing back across the line of scrimmage the opposite direction, and they are sealing off the backside end. But watch what we do, and a lot of other offenses do. Sometimes that H-back, the tight end, doesn't block the backside end. Sometimes they run out into the flat in a pass pattern. And now the quarterback has a three-way option. If the backside end takes a quarterback, he hands it off. If the backside end crashes on the running back, the quarterback pulls it. And now when the quarterback pulls it, he has another read. Now you have that second edge defender. Whether it's a safety, whether it's a star defender, maybe it's a linebacker out there in the perimeter. If that defender runs at the quarterback, then what does quarterback do? He just drops the ball off to that H-back, that tight end in the flat. If the edge defender widens with the tight end, the H-back, the quarterback just runs the football. That is what Jaden Daniels has used essentially in route to winning the Heisman Trophy this year. LSU runs that play about 10 times a game. And we run it too, we just don't really have the running threat at quarterback. So it's all those kind of things that they were running that hurt us. And those are the kinds of plays, the misdirection type plays, the option-esque plays, option principled plays, that have hurt us at times throughout the year. Go back to the Auburn game, a little bit against Ole Miss in the first quarter of that game. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, it's hard to stop. I'm mean, thinking about when, about when we played Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson, when they ran the triple option. I mean, they routinely ran the ball for what, 150, and That's basically all they did. But it was frustrating to watch us try to defend those offenses because they always have an answer built into whatever the defense does. And I know last night did not look exactly like the triple option offenses under Paul Johnson. But again, a lot of those principles are still infused in that offense. A lot like Auburn, it wasn't about them manhandling us. Remember we talked about this after the Auburn game, why I wasn't that concerned going to the Kentucky game and everyone was freaking out. Kentucky just ran all over Florida for 300 yards and we gave up 200 yards rushing to uh, to Auburn and you got all these national pundits saying, oh my God, Kentucky's going to upset Georgia. They're going to run all over Georgia. Well, I was saying, no, that's not going to happen because the way Kentucky runs the ball aligns far more with what we traditionally do well stopping against the run than what Auburn did. Auburn didn't manhandle us. That's what Kentucky was trying to do. That's why Kentucky never can beat us because they can't manhandle Georgia. They just don't have the players to do that. So like Auburn, it wasn't about movement. It wasn't about moving our defense physically and displacing us. It was about misdirection. I'm not saying they didn't get some movement at times, but it was far more about misdirection, just like it was against Auburn. And that's what we struggle with on defense, especially when you have two true freshmen inside linebackers having to play 50% or more of the defensive snaps. And that's what we're having to to deal with right now, guys. C.J. Allen has been really good for us throughout the year, but the past week or two, I even go back to Tennessee, especially yesterday, He's looked more and more like a freshman because you know what? He is a freshman. And a freshman can line up against a team like Kentucky that wants to run the football right at you and play really well. But when you have all this misdirection, you got to think all the time. That is difficult. And that makes it hard for a freshman who hasn't really seen a lot of those things. And Raylan Wilson has played even less than CJ has. And those guys were a step slow last night. Not because they're not athletic; they are. But when you have to think like that, you can't play as fast as you normally do. As, the, as for example, as fast as CJ played against Ole Miss, where he looked like the next great Georgia inside linebacker. He didn't look like that last night because he was thinking far too much. It wasn't so much about reacting like it was against Ole Miss. But those guys that they were hesitant in their reads. There was some poor eye discipline at times, and Smile Munden was guilty of some of that as well. He just wasn't as guilty of it as the freshmen were. Well, that can't be an excuse. Those guys are who we have to play with right now. Pop is not going to play next week against. Alabama. He's not ready, and we can't really wrap up where the injury is. It's not one you could wrap up. Like he's hopefully can be back for the postseason if we can if we can get to the playoff. But we got to win next week, and we're gonna have to win without him. These guys are gonna have to get better. They're gonna have to learn from this game against Georgia Tech. So yes, the inside linebacker play was was a big part of of what went wrong against Georgia Tech and trying to defend the way that they structure their offense and the way that they run the football. But it wasn't just the inside linebackers. I know they got a lot of the blame from a lot of people in the fan base, and I and I get it. I get I get why. Understandably so. I I don't Think that's really too misguided there, but there's enough blame to go around. It was far more than just them. The edge players did not play well. I'm, I'm talking all around, guys. I'm talking Chaz Chandless, I'm talking Marvin Jones Jr., I'm talking Tyrion Dawkins at times, Michael Williams at times. Whoever's on the edge with, that, they, that they were running against, they didn't consistently play well. Um, they were playing with the wrong shoulder too often, which allowed them to get reached, and that cannot happen when you're playing teams are trying to run on the edges because teams know what what's giving a show right it's it's running on the edges right where there's outside zone whether some of the bash stuff that we saw that's how teams are going to try to attack us that's how Alabama's going to try to attack us if they have half a brain which they do and that's what they're going to try to do We we'll to that in a little bit here but yeah, the edge defenders didn't play well, playing with the wrong shoulders, getting reached, lack of awareness, which has been an issue for about a year and a half now since Nolan Smith went down. Nolan was a master at that of being able to take on pullers, but also know where the ball is and keep that awareness and make plays on the ball. Chaz has gotten better at that. He's still not great at it. Marvin's getting better, but he's still not all the way there. There are plenty of times last night where I'm like, what are you even doing, Marvin Jones Jr.? Like you're basically like over-squeezing. I get when the offensive line blocks down, you want to squeeze, but he was squeezing way too much, and they're able to get around him and then reach him. And he's a young guy. He's a talented guy but he's a young guy and hopefully he's going to learn from that but that was part of the issue as well I also want to I want to call him out but I just want to draw attention and say look man our safeties our secondary in general did not play well against the run in fact I would argue is their worst game that I've seen them play in a while against the run and I'm talking all around Javon Bullard and Tyke Smith in particular, but Malachi had some some instances where he didn't play the run very well. Uh, Daylon Everett at times, I, I thought Kamari played pretty well against the run for the most part, but. All in all, in the secondary, it was a tough outing for them against the run. They had a lot of trouble getting off blocks on the perimeter, and normally they're very, very good at that. They had a lot of issues in this game, and I want to give Tech some credit. Again, they scheme it really well. They get some bigger guys out there, some tight ends. They get some linemen pulled out there, and it's tough for smaller guys in the secondary to take on blockers like that. Usually we do a better job, but we did not do as good of a job in this game. We took some bad angles at times, and that gave them some running lanes and created some some opportunities for some bigger plays than probably what it should have been. I think at times guys in secondary were even a step slow trying to read what was going on had some poor eye discipline at, at times. So the inside linebackers had some issues, but I think edge players, secondary players, they all bear some cul- culpability in this. And there's one thing that I want to point out here. This is something I've noticed. is I haven't noticed it in a, in a couple of weeks, but going back to the Auburn game, I thought it was an issue, and I've seen at different points this year, and it really popped up again in a big way, in a bad way, last night against Tech. I think sometimes our secondary players, our safeties and Tykey in particular, when they're coming up and run support, I know they are coached to do this and I get the the idea behind why they're coached to do it. You want to take on the blockers. You want to control the blockers, right? Because that's what you want to do. Like You want to go take them on, control them, and shed them and then make the play because you don't want them to be able to get their hands on you first. You want to get your hands on them first, control them, the whole nine yards, right? But I think sometimes that we do that to a fault I think we play the man too much rather than going after the ball carrier there were a number of times in that game last night if you have it on DVR go back and watch it where Javon Bullard in particular but not just in Malachi at times also Tyke, where instead of going for the ball carrier they're like magnets to the blocker out there in the perimeter, they run directly to the blocker and get tied up with the blocker. And look, I know that's what they're coached to do. Because again, you want to get your hands on them for they get their chance to get a hands on their hands on you, and you don't give them you know angles and all those kind of things. You don't take the angles away. I understand all of that, but there are plenty of times where we could have just simply made the play on the ball carrier. We didn't have to go address the blocker first. We essentially went and took on the blocker at the expense of making the play on the ball carrier. So I think we're doing it to a fault at times. And I would like to see us play a little bit more instinctively there, maybe a little bit more free. I think it's a fine line because you want to play fundamental football. Again, I get why we do it. It just doesn't make any sense to do that at the expense of making the play on the ball carrier, which is at the end of the day, what you are trying to do anyway. It's all a means to an end of making the play on the ball carrier. So if you make the play on the ball carrier without attacking the blocker, just make the play on the freaking ball carrier. And I think sometimes we're passing up the opportunity, opportunity to do that to do what we are coached to do. It's almost like we're robots out there. And sometimes you have to like, just think a little bit more instinctively. I would also say our tackling was not great. And this is where the hunger comes into it, coming off a really tough stretch in the SEC. And Tex hungry in this game. I'm not saying that we didn't play with effort. I'm not going to say that. But I, I go back to sense of urgency. I don't think the sense of urgency was there. I thought we had a really poor effort tackling the, the ball carrier. I mean, there were times where we were there to make the play, but we shouldn't finish. And those are plays we normally finish, and there was a number of guys. It was C.J. Allen at times. It was some of the guys on the, on the line at times. It was guys in secondary at times. We just did not do a good job overall of tackling the ball carrier, and that's not something you usually see from Georgia defenses, and we did see it last night. So for all of those reasons, we had some issues last night, clearly stopping the run, and that was not good enough. So that's that's the why. That's the, the issue that, that I saw, at least how I saw it last night. Now, the second question, and the bigger question now, because who cares what happened in the past? It's now moving forward. What's, what's going to happen? How concerned should we be against Alabama? Because here's the line of thinking, right? I know because I was thinking this myself, and I've heard it from a lot of people out there. My DMs are full of this. My inbox is full of this. My texts from my buddies are all full of these these thoughts. The line of thinking goes... Well, if Tech was able to do that to us, how in the world are we going to stop Alabama, who has a much more dangerous threat as a runner at the quarterback position in Jalen Milroe, a better offensive line, and just better overall talent? How are we going to hold them under like three or four hundred yards rushing if Tech was able to run for two hundred? That's the line of thinking. And again, my mind was kind of there last night. I get it. And here is where some of you are going to probably disagree with me because I know a lot of you are still very concerned about that. And I'm not going to tell you not to be like. Feel free to be concerned. Again, Alabama is really talented. Yes, all that's true. And like they run the football well. That's what they really want to do this year. And Jalen Milroe is a, a a he's a thoroughbred horse man. Like that dude's just running around out there like a crazy person. Yes. Very athletic, very dangerous runner. But let me also say this. I'm not freaking out about it as much as I think the average Georgia fan is because Alabama does not operate their offense and their run game in particular the way that Georgia Tech does. And honestly, it's not even, it doesn't even remotely resemble what Georgia Tech does. Now, do they have some of the principles that Georgia Tech uses in their offense in the BAM offense yeah there's some there like they'll run what looks like a zone read at times but they do not run near the level of option stuff that Georgia Tech does they just don't now, I'm not saying they don't have it in their playbook and they, and they can't pull it out against us I don't know if that's the case maybe maybe they will and we just haven't seen it yet all I can tell you is that we haven't seen it to this point that's all that I can operate off of now could they add it this week and be ready to, to run it against us in the SEC title game? maybe, but it's hard to really add a ton of new plays and install a ton of new plays and rework your playbook in one week as you're trying to prepare for the number one team in the country. It's hard to do. I'm not saying you can't tweak some things and add some plays you can, but I don't think you're going to see a wholesale change in the Alabama run game. I do expect them to try to attack the perimeter. Outside zone is very much a part of their repertoire in their running game, and I expect to see a fair dose, a lot of that actually, a large dose of that early in the game to see if we're going to be able to stop it. We better be ready because. The thought process that they have a better offensive line and, and they have better running backs and better talent, that's largely true. Although I would say Ole Miss, when they're healthy offensive line is about the equivalent of Alabama's. Alabama has not been great on the offensive line this year. But they don't stress you with option stuff and conflict the way that Georgia Tech does. They just don't. In fact, when I watch Alabama play, and I've noticed this over the past couple of weeks, guys, I don't think that they are giving Jalen Milrow the right to read what's happening anymore. I think early in the season They were. He was struggling in those reads, and when I watched them play, especially against Auburn last uh, yesterday, he is not reading anybody. I think it's, they're calling either you're going to hand the ball off or you're going to pull it on this play. Because And the reason I say that, and it's not just the Auburn game, but a couple games in a row now, there are multiple examples of where the Auburn defender or whatever team they're playing, the defender is crashing on the ball carrier, which is a classic pull read. And if he is given the, the, the right... To, and the power to pull the ball on those plays. It's, like a, it's a true zone read. He would 100% pull it. It's a, it, These reads, we're talking as clear as possible, that it's a pull read, and he's not pulling it. Even Gary Danielson made some reference to that yesterday, talking about during the game, about how like Bama's offense, they've simplified it some, they've taken away some of the reads in the run game for Milro, and that's one of the reasons why their offense has kind of improved lately. To me, that kind of just confirms what I've seen on the field. I don't think they're really giving him those reads anymore. Now, I'm not saying they can't do that this week and say, you know what? George has a lot of trouble with this, with the option stuff, so let's just give you the power to to do it again, and let's just hope that you do a better job this time. Maybe they will, but when I watch them the past couple of weeks, I'm not seeing that. Milrow is very much a threat with his legs and they will call some design QB run stuff with him. We'll talk more about that this week. They weren't doing that a lot early in the year. They're calling some more design QB run stuff with him now, but he's more of a threat. Like his biggest threat is when he's like scrambling and trying to make stuff happen. Like that's, that's where he becomes the biggest threat. So I'm not as concerned next week as I think a lot of Georgia fans are, because I I I've watched this Bama team closely, and they don't run the ball the way the Tech does. I'm not saying they can't have some success against us, but it's kind of like going back to the Auburn game again. I told you guys the same thing coming out of the, of the Auburn game. Some people were like Tyler, like you're just like you're you're blowing smoke down our throats, man. Like you're looking at this through like your your red and black colored glasses. Like Auburn gashed us. I mean, Kentucky's going to run all over us with Ray Davis, and I'm saying like I I get why you're saying that based off what we saw, but also. Kentucky doesn't run the ball the way that Auburn does. And I'm telling you guys the same thing right now. I get why you would be concerned about our ability to stop the run game against Alabama after what you saw yesterday from us and what you know about Alabama having a really mobile quarterback and an athletic guy back there. But Bama doesn't run the ball the same way that Tech does. They just don't. And again, can they change that in one week? To some degree, probably. Will they attack the edges? Sure, of course but they're just not going to do it the same way the Tech did, the same way the Auburn did because that's just not really what they do. So there are my thoughts on the run game, the run game issues. I know that's at the top of everyone's list after last night's game, so I wanted to address that pretty extensively here. But before we move on, there's a lot more to talk about. I do want to take one more quick break here and remind you guys about our great friends at Alumni Hall. I hope you guys took advantage of of the, all the great Black Friday deals had going on for you, but we're not done yet. Cyber Monday is tomorrow. It might be today by the time you're listening to it. It is Monday, obviously, Cyber Monday. So you're going to want to take advantage of all the great deals at Alumni Hall for all the Georgia fans in your life. Do your Christmas shopping now, get it over with, and there's no better place to get gifts for the Georgia fans in your lives, all those loved ones, than Alumni Hall because they have all the best brands, the best selection. They've got hoodies, they've got hats, they've got jackets, they've got Q-zips, t-shirts, They've got whatever you want, a great men's selection, women's selection, children's selection, home and office decor. They've got stuff for your car. They've got anything and everything you could possibly want for a Georgia fan. And on top of that, they have the best customer service, bar none. So shop at Alumni Hall today, either in-store, inside the Epsom Shopping Center, or online at alumnihall.com, because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, I am back here, and while the run defense issues were were certainly glaring, it wasn't all bad. We did control this game from the second quarter on, and for me, when you're looking at the things that I felt were encouraging coming out of this game, you got to start with another big-time performance on the ground. 262 yards rushing, 6.7 yards per attempt, and to be honest with you, we should have run the ball as well as we did against Georgia Tech. I told you guys on the previous episode that one of the reasons I felt that we would win this game comfortably is because I felt like Georgia Tech had no chance whatsoever to stop our run game, and it worked out exactly like that. Now, the game was closer than I thought it would be, but like I expected, they had no chance to stop our running game because they are one of the worst teams against the run in the entire country. And we had success basically doing whatever we wanted in the ground game. We were running a lot of counter. We did a lot of gap scheme stuff. We ran some zone stuff as well. Whatever we were running, it was working. Gap scheme, zone scheme stuff. Our running backs were great vision, especially on the zone plays. They were running with authority. Kendall Milton had a career day, which I was so happy to see, man. I, I really am rooting hard for this kid because he's had a tough go, man, throughout his career. He's had a lot of adversity here in Athens dealing with injuries, and I'm just really excited for him in his senior season to be running the way that he's running late in the year. I mean, he's been a big part of what we're doing on offense right now. I think that's going to continue here. We're going to need him against Alabama to keep playing that way. Tech certainly helped us out with some of the explosive runs that we had because they were selling out so aggressively To stop the run, I mean, you guys, I hope you saw it there. I mean, the run blitzing, basically at the snap, their linebackers were at the line of scrimmage. They were blitzing that hard. Their safeties were triggering so hard. And when you do that, and our running backs are able to get past that first wave of defenders, there's no one there, and we're breaking off chunk run after chunk run after chunk run. They honestly were playing us a lot like Missouri did. They just don't have the players up front that Missouri did. So we were able to control that, that initial wave. And obviously, having Marius Mims back certainly helps When you're trying to run the football against a team that's playing you that aggressively. But hey man, it was really nice to see. I know Tech sucks against the run, but when a team's playing you that aggressively and selling out that hard to stop the run, and you're still able to run it right down their throat all game long, that's certainly a very encouraging thing to take away from this football game. I also want to point out the red zone defense. That has been one of the, if not the biggest concern that I've had all year. Honestly, it has been the biggest concern of mine because we've just got to get better in the red zone, stopping teams from scoring touchdowns, and we're improving in that regard. Against Georgia Tech, I know that first touchdown, yes, they did score once they got in the red zone makes it really hard when you have a mobile quarterback and you have the quarterback run game that they have a team that can run the ball like that from the quarterback position. They're tough to stop once you get in the red zone, but we held them to two of four scoring touchdowns on the red zone, which is 50% not ideal, still not where we want it to be, but better than where it has been most of the year. We're getting better in that regard. Again, doing it against a team like Tech that runs the ball the way they do and as well as they do. I thought we did a really good job there on the red zone. A uh, Third down, defense continues to be one of the strengths of this team. Held them to two of 11. Two of 11 on third down, I also thought we did a really good job of limiting Eric Singleton, their explosive true freshman wide receiver. Now, I know if you look at the final numbers, you say, Tyler, what are you talking about, man? Like, the dude had almost 100 yards receiving. Okay, well... I get that, but it, I think there's some context there. If you look at it, so what, do you, what were his final numbers? Yeah, four catches for 96 yards. One of those was like that little pop pass. so a 57 yard. It looked like it was basically a run, but they call it, it counts as a pass. It's a little pop pass. He pops the ball forward to him, but he got nothing down the field. And they tried, I told you guys, they would try to hit him down the field early enough in that game because that that's their dude. That is their big play threat, 10, 200 meter guy. By the way, when he did break that long run, did you guys notice Malachi Starks run with him stride for stride to catch him? And guy, he's a legit 10 meter guy like verified time in high school 10 meter guy and Malachi caught him from behind I had a little bit of an angle but still caught him and was running basically neck and neck with him and Malachi you know he, he's a track guy himself I didn't know he had that kind of speed though I mean I knew he's fast but dude like he showed me something there chasing down Singleton like that but we really didn't let him affect the game in the passing game like explosively down the field they tried to they tried a couple times but we were able to keep him under wraps for the most part. They didn't throw the ball much at all. Honestly, we threw the ball 20 times. But when they did throw the football, I thought we did a really good job covering their, covering their receivers. Now, outside of Singleton, they don't really have a ton of guys that are, that are going to threaten you in the passing game but we did a good job covering those guys. The one play they had, or oh, was the first drive where they scored that touchdown, or I guess their second drive after the fumble where they scored the touchdown where they hit old Brett Seether, former Georgia player that tied in, which was another example of triple option stuff was what they were doing there. They ran, essentially, it was the split zone off, but instead of going out into the flat, like the, the H-back tight end usually does, he ran up the seam. And we had not really seen that. In fact, I don't really see that very often at all. And that caught us off guard. And they created some separation there and just schemed that play open. That's not something you see from Alabama. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying Alabama can't put that in their playbook this week and make some adjustments. Maybe they will, but... Haven't seen that from them. That was something that was unique to Tech this year. That's the first time I think I remember seeing that this year. Just another example of how well Buster Faulkner does scheme that offense up. And while I know that we never really talk enough special teams on this show or really any show out there, nobody really talks special teams enough, it's a it's a huge phase of the game. It's a huge part of the game. And I thought we did a really good job in the kick return game on Saturday night. Makai Muse had a couple long ones, had a long of 37, 3 for 76. I will say, however, when the ball is going out of bounds, let's just let the ball go out of bounds. I know in this case, he kind of made it a moot point because he got the ball back past the 35 when he when he did catch the ball, but that's not always going to be the case against teams that aren't Georgia Tech. So when the ball's going out of bounds, let's just let the ball go out of bounds. And also, let's not muff punts. Luckily, it went out of bounds. Let's not do that. I will say, like, Makai is a, a really big threat with the ball in his hands. He really is. And I'm really glad he's on our team. He does a great job for us. But am I the only one that he scares to death back there when he's catching the ball? Like, it just freaks me out, man. I'm holding my breath every single time. But I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just me. Uh, Dylan Bell also had a really nice return. One return, thirty-nine yards. That dude's just just an athlete, man. That dude's a versatile player. He's just a football player, man. We'll talk a little bit more about him when we get to game balls. So I know the run defense was not ideal, and I know it was incredibly frustrating. It was frustrating for me too. But let's not let that completely overwhelm some of the good things that came out of this game as well. But all right, guys. Speaking of game balls, let's transition to that right now. I got a couple I want to hand out here. I should be punched in the face if I started anywhere other than with Kendall Milton because this dude was a baller last night. He's been a baller for the last month or so. 18 carries, 156, a career high, two touchdowns, 8.7 yards per carry. Guys, listen to these numbers. Last three games, Kendall Milton, 349 yards rushing, 8.1 yards per attempt, five touchdowns. This guy is playing the best football of his Georgia career, and I am so excited for him. I'm obviously excited for our football team and what it means for us as a program, as a team this season, but I'm just so happy for Kendall. Again, this guy has overcome so much adversity, especially with the injuries throughout his career. He's never, He hasn't really had the kind of success that he thought he would have and that we all hoped he would have coming out of high school. I mean, he wanted to be a three-and-done guy, and it didn't work out that way. But this guy has continued to grind and work and be a great leader for this football team, a great representative of the University of Georgia. I'm proud of him. I'm ecstatic for him. I'm ecstatic for our team. So I am very happy to give Kendall Milton our first game ball of this week. Second up, I got to go Dominic Lovett. I know the numbers weren't fantastic. We didn't throw the ball all that much. We threw the ball about 10 times less than we do on average the ball 20 times in this game because why would you do anything else? You run the football. When you run the football for 6.7 yards per carry, why would you do anything other than run the football? But when we did throw the football, Dom Lovett was a big part of that. Five catches, 68 yards, touchdown. We actually had a Dom Lovett slot fade sighting on Saturday night. As far as I can recall, that's the first one that I recall seeing all year long, at least in terms of it was thrown to him. Maybe he's running. And I haven't seen a ball thrown to him. I don't know. But I watch a lot of Georgia football. I go back and rewatch watch all these games. That's the first one that we have hit this year, and this is the dude that made a living off of that, just carving teams up from the slot position, running that slot fade last year from Missouri. And it's crazy to me that it's taken us this long to get that to him. But I guess when you have Brock Bowers, you're trying to force feed him. And you got Lad McConkey in the game, but hey, it was a sight for sore eyes because that guy runs that route to perfection. And he, when he gets man coverage out there, single coverage, and there's no safety at the top, just throw the football to him. He is going to win that route the vast majority of the time, and he did on Saturday night. I mentioned Dylan Bell earlier. I got to give Dylan Bell a, a game ball here. I know, like, love it. The numbers weren't spectacular three receptions for 37 yards, one run for 29 yards, did have that, that punt return, but he was a factor when he was out there, he did have the touchdown call back. that was a touchdown, I'm sorry, it was a touchdown, and a really nice catch on the sideline, just slightly juggling the football, but Dylan Bell is the guy that really stepped up for us in this football game, we were down five starters, guys, we we're down four starters on the offensive side of the football, we were down three starters at the skill positions of Brock Bowers, Ladd McConkey, and Ra Ra Thomas, And we did not have much rotation at receiver. It was Dylan, it was Dom Lovett, it was Marcus Roseby-Jackson, and it was Arian Smith. That's who we had at receiver in this game. And Dylan Bell was a factor for us out there. And this guy, man, he is coming on at the right time. He's a hell of a football player, man. And I got a feeling, if we can find a way to beat Alabama next week, I think Dylan Bell is going to be a big part of the reason why. And he will be a massive part of our offense next year. In fact, I, I really like Ra Ra Thomas. I think he's played really well for us this year and he's come on the you know, last month and a half or so. But is it crazy for me to suggest that Dylan Bell's a better player? That I actually like him out there better than Ra Ra? I think he's just a better overall athlete. I mean, maybe there's not much separation. There, and Ra really good too. I'm not saying there's a problem with Ra He's been really good for us. But Dylan's just, he's a different dude, man. I really, really like this guy. And Marius Mims, I also mentioned his name earlier. Getting back into the starting lineup for the past couple of weeks, this guy is a difference maker for us on the offensive line. That play where he got out on the screen pass and just devastated that Tech defender, man. That was that was glorious. That was beautiful to see. It's like we were saying all year, guys. I mean, without him in there, we're still really good on the offensive line, but he is the only surefire first-round draft pick that we have on the offensive line. He is that guy. He's a top-10 caliber guy. I don't know if he'll be taking the top 10, but he's that kind of athlete. He's that kind of player. And I thought he was a factor in the run game. I thought he was a factor in the, in the pass-pro game. The dude's just, uh, he's a stud, man. He's a stud out there. And an honorable mention here. It was hard for me to pick anybody from the defensive side of the ball with how Tech ran the football, right? Because I think all levels of defense were culpable at various times. But I do want to give an honorable mention here. I couldn't give him a straight-up game ball because there were some times where he got caught looking in the wrong direction, poor eye to splint, poor angles, those kind of things. But Smile Mundin, I think at least deserves an honorable mention here because as Kirby said after the game, this guy's playing hurt right now, all right, he's not, it's not bad to where he can't play, but we could have set him, like, he's not 100% right now, but he knows, we pop out, we've got two true freshman side linebackers outside of him, and so he went out there, man, and put on the line, and played as hard as he could out there, dude, and I know it wasn't perfect, I know that, I'm not saying it was, but considering the context, and how hard he played, I thought he played better than ins- the, the freshman inside linebacker. I don't think he made as many mistakes as they did. He did lead the team in tackles. So I just got to give him a shout, at least give him a shout out for going out there and playing like that, playing hurt for his team and uh, just answering the bell when we needed him. So I'll give an honorable mention there to Smile Mondin. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Again, sorry that we could not get Curtis on here. We tried to make it happen. Just Thanksgiving week, man. Schedule's weird. Now Curtis being married, being a a newlywed and doing Thanksgiving with uh, his in-laws for the first time. He was was down there all week long. Couldn't go to the Tech game, which wasn't great. I know he wasn't necessarily thrilled about that, but sounds like he had a great time in Florida and just couldn't get him back in time to do the show today. But anyway, 31-23 victory over Tech. Not what we all wanted to be. I get that. But we're on to bigger and better things, bigger fish to fry, as old PJ used to say back in the day. We are on to Alabama, and we are gonna run our mailbag episode. Uh, I'll record that tomorrow, so Monday. So try to get those questions in. I mean, we've already got a ton of them in, but if you have any more questions, we're going to try to get as many of them as we possibly can. Can going to be about the tech game, looking forward to the SEC title game, playoff stuff, whatever's on your mind. Hit us up, guys, on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. You can email us, podcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram, just podcast on Instagram. So whatever works best for you, get those questions to us, and we'll try to get as many of them on here as I possibly can. But all right, guys, thank you for being here. Hope the voice wasn't too bad I actually think it got better as the show went on I think I sound kind of somewhat normal now I don't know maybe I'm just making things up but I appreciate you guys being here we're gonna have you guys covered for the SEC championship game against Alabama in every possible way so keep coming back all week long you guys know we're gonna have you covered but I'm Tyler and as always go Dawgs